0: Coming up on this episode of Open for Business, burn your business plans before they burn you. A quick thumbs up, thumbs down of business books you should read. Bill George suggests a Hewlett-Packard reboot. And great quotes from arguably the most influential sales and business motivator ever, the late Zig Ziglar. All that and more next on Episode 57 of Open for Business.
1: This is the Hartford Online Radio Network, 21st Century Audio. Delivered.
0: On the horn.com.
1: Bandwidth for On The Horn is provided by Amazon S3 servers. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. Retrieve any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive. All from a name you trust, Amazon. For more information for more information about Amazon S3 storage, visit aws.amazon.com. I feel like Porky Pig. Someone actually asked me, what does AWS stand for? It stands for Amazon Web Services. It's very very important to know these sort of things. AWS. AWS, Amazon Web Services. Uh, Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Parker. I'm joined today by Ken Cook, who is the acclaimed author, speaker, Fortune 500 consultant, and contributor to Inc. Magazine, and is now running Peer-to-Peer Advisors. You can check him out at peer to advisors.com. Hi, Ken. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Inside baseball. We won't tell you what that's funny about. Uh, also, Zen Master Tommy Russo, who is uh, freaking out now. He's not really practicing Zen, because usually I introduce him first. Mm. And so he gave me a little...
0: <gasps> no, but you know something? was a good opportunity for me to <sighs> let, let it go. I'm better now.
1: All right, <laughs> Tommy runs LNR Production, the world famous Emmy award-winning LNR Production advertising agency and production house. Audio, video, any anything you need there. l dot Hello, sir. How's the foot? A uh, foot is
0: much better. I am speaking of rebooting. I am boot free, and that's uh, that's a good thing.
1: Nice, nice. I think Dave Moore was messing with my microphone settings. 'Cause it feels like I was like really bassy all of a sudden. I'll have to hit him with a wet noodle. Okay. Speaking of wet noodles. Yeah. Uh Bill George has some uh some words about HP. Maybe some suggestions? A
2: Definite little reboot suggestions. here. I wanted to revisit this. We talked a few weeks back about the autonomy buy and the yeah, write down that, of it.
1: Eight like, billion dollars ninety. Eight billion. out of eleven. Yeah. Oh man, that is big. Yeah,
2: it was huge. And Bill George, for those that don't know, former CEO of Medtronics, built it into a multi-billion dollar company, teaches at Harvard Business School. And HP was his role model company for 30 years. I mean, he used to follow what they did. And he took a short history of HP. And a couple of quick things that I really like about the model. They focused on innovations that met customer needs. And they were tough to compete with because they had innovative products, superior customer service, and product quality. They also had a business model for 40 years. Grow revenue at 20% a year, maintain 20% operating margins, and reinvest approximately 10% of revenue in R&D. And they grew tremendously. They were one of the toughest players on the street. Then they decided to diversify, and Carly Fiorina came in. You remember Carly? From AT&T? There you go. Yeah. She came in as the CEO, quickly wanted to abandon the HP way, did, bought Compaq, which they later wrote off, or wrote down dramatically. Then she was replaced by Mark Hurd, former NCR CEO. He came in, acquired EDS. They wrote down $8 billion of the EDS buy. And they now are a bifurcated company. I mean, they basically are a commodity business with PCs and printers, and they are a enterprise software business, which is a considerably different business model. So I love Bill George's suggestion. He says, just split the company. I mean, it's $120 billion in revenue. It's too big to manage. 330,000 employees worldwide. And it's split about 50-50 with the commodity business and the enterprise software business so i just wanted to bring it up to say that hey folks at hp there is a path out out of the pitch yeah, you built i don't know like
1: when you say split it up you mean like just make it absolutely two separate and distinct uh, yeah. companies under different leadership absolutely why would you why would the why would the
2: board want to do that because I mean, the, they still make money hand over fist they make money but they're not growing at the rate they were they're not nearly as competitive as they used to be and if anybody who knows about growing businesses which bill george does he says look they are contrary business models they coexisting is virtually impossible and he's basically saying give one business the commodity business the opportunity to innovate build channels etc give the other business the enterprise the opportunity to do r&d long-term relationship development etc and let them each run i mean it's a great stock split for the current stock share our shareholders they'd love it so yeah,
1: i don't know i i kind of like that they're diversified like this you know hmm i don't know i, I think it's well, that's I, my thought i liked it so. You like it. But speaking of business plans, before we figure out what HP is going to do, yeah, uh, this was a great article. Where was this? From Wall Street Journal. Wall Street. Burn your business plans
2: before they burn you. I love this one. Uh, what's the guy's name? Osterwalder? Alexander Osterwalder, who is a Wall Street Journal blogger in their Accelerator blog section.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I had just found this when you found the article. I didn't even know this was around. I didn't either, frankly. Um Clearly, they need to burn their business plan burn on this. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is very clever. You know, it's kind of the, uh, you work very hard as an entrepreneur to make a business plan, which is not going to be your forte because you're interested in whatever the the, the the service or product is, as opposed to writing business plans Yep, all your life. And so finally, you work on this, and this happens to me constantly, and you're like, okay, I got it. I got the business plan. It's very thoughtful. I worked hard on it. I got good research and the first thing you really need to know how to do is put it to the market and then listen to the market and then change everything that you
2: just worked on. Precisely.
1: Change your business plan. Throw it out. (laughs) Listen to how you need to change it and that is so frustrating when you work that hard to come to a conclusion and say this is how this company and this product or this service is going to work in the market and then you got to throw it all out and start over. But it's an important lesson to do.
0: And why do you think that is? Is it because you're spending your developmental time in the incubator, not real-world situation, and then when you do finally roll it out, none of the in real-world influences were there when the plan was being developed? Is that is that yeah, the essence they, of it?
2: Many, Particularly, I remember back in the dot-com era, many business plans, when they're written, the goal is to write the plan. The goal was to have such a polished plan that it attracts investment. It attracts interested parties who want to put money into this venture. The problem is that 36 hours after the plan is finished, it's not connected to the street. Right. Because good point. The, they don't touch base with customers. And uh, no, uh, as as the quote from the blog entry was, no plan survives first contact with customers.
1: Yeah, and, and that's really it. And it's not really a fault of anyone. like it's if you have this problem and you have to throw out your business plan it's fine that's sort of that's the way it should be exactly um and it's just frustrating i i understand you guys but, but you our... got to figure out what happens you know the market is, no one knows what the market is going to do it's like the great unknown and you, you don't you know sometimes you might have great success and think that you're you're it my business plan is working and then you realize that uh you know it was just a fad and you just you know you hit some some events that were happening in the world, uncontrolled by you, and mm-hmm. and you know next year is going to be a different story. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's a matter of constantly testing. It's a matter of saying, okay, the market doesn't like what I'm doing here in terms of my model, my pricing, my features, something.
1: This is, by the way, this is the, the opportunity to really get a business consultant on board, to do this hard testing of your business plan after launch, I mean, you, you probably businesses do a lot of consultant work pre-launch. So, well, here, but here's I think a question the real thing is going back and looking at it. Yeah, well, go ahead.
0: Here's the question for me: What's the value takeaway? Because they say do it and then burn it, um, but there's there has to be some benefit in the process of doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Okay, no,
1: it's, you have to do it. And yeah, you know, think... you have to you have to pick. You don't know which way the wind is going to be blowing. And the only way to know is to get out there. So you have to have some kind of plan to get out there. And the more precise your plan is, the more you can judge how the wind is blowing. Mm -hmm. You know, If you just kind of look outside at the market, you don't really know. So So you really
2: got to commit and get out there. You got to get out there. You got to test it. You got to look at alternatives. You cannot commit yourself so ardently to your first great idea. Because the market may not love it. Well, I had
1: uh, a—I remember a a choir teacher in high school said to me, "Hey, look, if you guys don't know what the note is, sing the wrong note really loud, (laughs) so I know (laughs) you guys are wrong, and then we'll go back and fix it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you guys just kind of sheepishly do it, I don't know if you're just like being quiet or if you're singing the wrong note. So if you're gonna fail, fail big. I, you know, and I love this phrase now with the. You know with internet business now is uh, is fail fast I love that phrase yeah fail fast because you know
2: where to go from there I you know which way to turn I'll jump ahead and steal from mr. Ziegler and who we're gonna get into in depth but one of his quotes remember that failure is an event not a person and that's what business plans are yeah. they are descriptions of wished for events sure and you hope and pray that you did the right research and you tested it in the market and when you get out there, if it fails, that's all right. Amazing days over, move on.
1: Yeah. Amazingly Walt Disney was bankrupt like seven times, eight times. Oh, some yeah. ridiculous number.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it did pretty well. Failure. Is the next step to success?
0: So my question, Brian, to you is, in in referring to you know a business consultant and bringing those individuals in, what percentage of them do you think, in this day and age, are up to today's snuff? That really are current in their thinking and recognize, you know, how things, how quickly things are changing in a business economy.
1: I would almost say that if it's written down. The people don't. This is uh, you guys are going to scream at me. If it's written down, your B plan or C plan or whatever, I think you're you're already behind. Because it, it, to me, I think it's more of a how agile are you mm-hmm. and change quickly. And you know you got to write Absolutely. stuff down. But if you actually go back and write it down in the like the business plan format, um, and put it together with all the financial blah 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 blah. blah I, I think you're losing it. I think you need to. Be agile enough to kind of write addendums to yeah, it yeah. as opposed to rework the entire plan. And can I, you raise I, your hand?
2: I, I raised my hand with not the victory sign, but 2%. <laughs> okay, I wondered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. As far as I'm concerned, and I, I, I speak from 25 plus years of experience doing consulting, most consultants marry themselves to a methodology in order to differentiate themselves from other consultants. When in actuality, the best consultants in the world just know how to listen and ask good questions of customers and then help the client figure it out. Because if the client is told what to do, they'll never own it and they'll never take it forward you got to help them figure it out. It's a great point.
0: I mean, it's kind of like the medical industry. You know, how many doctors really stay on top of all the new yeah. technology that mm-hmm. comes down mm-hmm. the pike and being able sure. to train themselves. You don't see many of them that do that. And that's yeah. a doctor, at least for me, that I want to, you know, be going to see if I need a doctor to go and see the one that one way or another has found a way to, you know, integrate the new ideas yep. that are constantly coming down the pike. And my sense is is that you're spot on that there's a very small percentage of business consultants. So for those that are tuning in, your job in in research and a good business plan is finding a good business consultant that can help you down the path.
2: Uh, your job is to ask a customer if they'll buy your product or service. That's a Once awesome somebody gives you money for something, then you got a business. And talking about consultants, guess whose consulting practice just filed for bankruptcy? uh tony robbins michael porter oh really competitive strategy harvard business yeah his practice monitor group i he he never hired
1: a consultant he always struck (laughs) me though as too much
2: of an academic very much
1: yeah it wasn't Uh, practical but uh tommy had said something very interesting how many doctors kind of keep up on the on the latest thing they kind of get into a almost like a history teacher you know once you learn it oh what 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 is what else is there to learn As entrepreneurs, as uh, business owners, how do we keep up on things? We read books. We read business books. Good segue. Hmm. And um, (laughs) so we got 12 books here that we can kind of quickly zip through. Kind of a thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, I think I've read, I've not read all of them, but I've read uh, almost all of them. So hopefully one of us has read all of (laughs) them. I have not read
2: all of them, but I've touched, I've read excerpts of every one and read a few of them. Well, let's roll them off. All right. First one, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Kane. She argues that introverts are a reservoir of untapped talent and that progressive managers can create environments in which they thrive.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the thing here is that I, the cover of the book, you don't really need to read the book because the cover of the book kind of says it all. Yeah. It, it, the, <laughs> the cover of the book is the aha moment. You, so you don't really need to read the rest of it.
2: Yeah, my, I'm thumbs down on this. It's a rehash of stuff that's been around forever.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, it's good. Well, it sounds like it. an awful lot of time and attention to a very selected group of the population. I don't know. that I haven't
2: read it, so I'll be quiet. Well, it's mostly about just creating good work environments so people feel free to contribute and share. Got it. That's That's the bottom line, and there's nothing new in that.
1: Okay, so the uh, third book here, extreme productivity. Where are we with extreme product? Did we do a thumbs up or thumbs down of uh, how you measure your life?
2: Um, Neutral for me. That's exactly it's
1: got to be thumbs up or thumbs down. That's the. (laughs) I'm
2: going down. I'm I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna go down. Okay, three downs. All right, extreme productivity. This is a guy who Bob Posen. Yeah. Uh, He was simultaneously president of Fidelity Management, lectured at Harvard Business School, and wrote for the Harvard Business Review. So he says he's got a claim on writing a book titled Extreme Productivity, and he probably does. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the snippet, he tells the interviewer about turning career plans into daily actions, and he says you have to husband your time so you act on the things that are important. Duh. That's like first things first. I mean, yeah, but tell me something nobody knows.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I think his his point is that you really you have to pay attention to what you're, again, this is um, not just goal setting, but triaging your work. Correct. Here's what I don't like about it. What kind of home life does this guy have? Like, does he truly have a happy like marriage and family and kids that love and respect him and all that? Does he really? I don't know. Because everyone that I've ever met That is, you know, president of this and, uh, you know, adjunct professor here and, uh, you know, associate uh, member of this club and that club and, you know, is a scratch golfer. Every one of those people, miserable home life. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time staying together because the money's good. Yeah. It would be too expensive to. So
2: that's what what I, I don't like about these kind of. Folks. Dudes and dudettes. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So I, a, I'm got... a thumbs down on this one. All right. Thumbs down for me, too. Number four. My boy, Nate Silver. Mm-hmm. You know Nate Silver? Uh, oh, yeah.
0: Not personally, but, but aware of him, yes. Yeah.
1: The, the, the yeah. signal and the noise. Why so many predictions fail,
2: but some don't. And for me, it, it's all about the obsession in our culture with forecasting and why it's probably not something we should be doing to the degree that we do. He says, we need to stop and admit it. We have a prediction problem. We love to predict things, and we aren't very good at it. Which, for me, is like, yay, cheers, I love that. And it is a new and interesting take on the age-old practice of fortune-telling. And it's finally lifting the veil and saying, they're sham artists. That doesn't work. And I, I'm big thumbs up on Nate Silver on this one. I'm, I'm, I've am I'm i also got too much scar tissue coming out of the political season and the polls and this and that and everything else.
0: I'm curious because I haven't read the book. How much does he delve into the political arena in the book?
2: Uh, in the context of polls, a lot. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I mean, he doesn't comment on politics and politicians as much as he talks about predictions in politics that's what i meant yeah yeah so i'm with you
1: thumbs up 16 bucks most expensive book so far yeah we'll give it a thumbs up (laughs) all right (laughs) daring greatly oh this is exciting how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live love parent and lead now see this is a book title i can get behind live love parent and lead i agree that now, now we're talking about all income, holistic, holistic planning, holistic living, you know, living, which I'm all about, except for the fact that I, I eat like a terrible diet, but, um, I, I like this. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I'm, I'm with you. Thumbs up on this. This one.
1: is, uh, this is one of those, you know, someone, uh, you know, someone has cancer, gets over cancer, and then all of a sudden they have this, you know. Huge success in life because they have a lot of drive and, but but it's not just a single mind. They have a, a great drive and love for everything in their life, and
2: nothing goes unnoticed.
0: Share the author though. You guys haven't done that. Brene Brown. I'm yes.
2: Sorry. Yeah. A great quote from her. If you are alive and in a relationship, you do vulnerability. If you are alive, if you are alive, and in a relationship and in business, you do it hourly, and I love that. That's great. Thumbs up for me? Thumbs up. All right. Times three. Number six is very funny. Uh,
1: this is uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Hmm. Um, here's the funny thing about this book. I bought this book. This was actually the first book I bought on my iPad. Really? And I was reading it, and it was wonderful. You know why I haven't finished it? No. I got out of the habit of reading on my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but very uh, You know, the, the, the first, you know few chapters um is about uh, you know a woman who uh I, she's great drug and you know addiction issues and slowly gets over it by doing by creating these daily habits yep. rudimentary yep. kind of things and uh slowly becomes uh you know wonderfully uh, successful in her own uh, definition and kicks the habit and and, and it, it was great yeah. and I I'm anxious to, to learn more about it, but uh, have you read the whole thing? I have not read this one. T- have you read this? I have not. Oh, geez, gosh. Okay, so my, it's your take on this one. I, you know, I like it so far. I can't tell you I've read the whole thing yet, but um, I like it so far. It's and it's interesting, and I also I'm a sucker for good stories about you know people getting over adversity and all that kind of stuff. Now, so,
2: is he a proponent for building positive habits and eliminating negative habits? Uh
1: it's. I'm sure he is a proponent of that. I haven't gotten to the end yet, but here's his real thing: is saying, you know, a great motivator, a great way if you want to do something over and over again. Why it's if it's good or bad, Mm -hmm. there is a power of just habitual uh, consistency. I agree with that, which is probably redundant, but um, so I think that's really where he's going is is identifying. And shining the light, showcasing that there is there is great power in this uh, thing called habit. Um, much more than just sort of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's just a habit of mine to, you know, put too much sugar in my coffee or something. I don't know. Hmm. But, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. I haven't really, I haven't read the whole thing yet, so.
2: I'll jump on the habit. Oh.
1: <laughs> jump on the habit. There yeah. you go. Okay, habitually agreeing with me.
2: All right, number seven, Renegades Write the Rules, How the Digital Royalty Use Social Media to Innovate, Amy Jo Martin. And it's all about, she is an advocate and a cheerleader for the use of social media. Her claim to fame, we touched on this a number of shows back with The Rock. You remember the pro wrestler? Yep. And how she got him into social media with tweets and everything. And he has the largest Twitter following of anybody. Does he really? Yeah. Well. Wow. He's number one. And her whole thing is, look, there's a billion people in the channel and the communication arena, and you can't afford not to have an active role in the conversation.
0: How's your Twitter account, Ken? Ha ha.
2: It still exists. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a note on my to-do list, ramp up your Twitter account. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Here's what I don't like about it.
1: I don't think she... She is advocating a bad use of social media. Tell me more. She is advocating just dump content, don't interact.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's not good. And I don't like that.
1: She's a content dumper, and that is not really the way to, One of the things I like about Google Plus is uh, people don't really react to just content dumpers. You have to interact with them. You have to read their stuff. You, you know, You can't just have a... You know, a million friends yeah. or a million followers or whatever circled people. And um
2: in I I don't know. I don't really like the message of this book. I don't either. Um it's it strikes me her approach to social media was like the uh uh approach to getting as many eyeballs as possible to a website. Yeah. Which eventually proved to mean nothing. Right. Right. So I'm three. a thumbs down on her. I'm also a thumbs down. Times three. All right. Follower. Number eight. Heart, smarts, guts, and luck. What it takes to be an entrepreneur and build a great business.
1: I've never even heard of this book, but I like the title. I do, too. I
2: like the title a lot. Business takes courage, but don't confuse courage with fearlessness. Guts-driven entrepreneurs aren't fearless. They just know how to cope with and maybe even thrive in uncomfortable environments.
1: This is an, but don't confuse courage with fearlessness. Explain that one to me. Don't know. Okay. Guts driven entrepreneurs aren't fearless. Gut driven entrepreneurs aren't fearless. Of course not. They're gutsy. Yeah.
2: Okay. So fearless so is he saying guts is courage? Um I think he is. I think fearlessness is blind. I think if you have courage, you make courageous choices based on what you th- see and observe i agree so i mean it, it, it's a bit of a confusing message um i can't go neutral can i no
0: no neutral no neutrality here i'm gonna
2: go thumbs up
0: for the title alone i give it a thumbs up
2: i'm gonna go thumbs down it's thank a little goodness bit... all right that took courage right there there you are <laughs> you're not fearless but that took courage yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a little bit more of simplicity It's Um, it's telling me stuff that is sort of common sense.
1: This is, I want to know what you guys think about this, because I thought I was the only one that had ever read this book. The click moment. Mm. Franz Johansson. uh, Seizing opportunity in an unpredictable world. I love this book. I can't, you, I, I really absolutely thought I was the only one that had ever read this. Mm. So I was surprised to hear, I'm surprised you've actually, okay, go ahead. Tell me what the click moment is for you. It's all
2: about the power of serendipity. Uh, let me think about that. Is that how I would describe it? Go on more. Explain that to okay. me. Okay. The premise of the, just to read the excerpt, if you scratch underneath the glossy exterior success stories, you're actually going to find that behind these those things, you're going to find unexpected meetings, surprising insights, and that's what's behind most success. It follows then that we should court those types of things. I'm a firm believer that life, success in life, is a lot of timing. It's a lot of serendipity, meeting the right person.
1: It's that whole luck thing. There's a lot of luck.
2: There's a ton of luck involved. What is that?
1: What is that phrase? Uh, Preparation and yeah, I mean you you preparation opportunity equals luck or something like that.
2: Yeah, and a lot. What's the other one? Uh, Luck is ninety nine percent. Uh, or perspiration and 1% opportunity kind of thing. But for me, yeah. And what I love about this book, when they talk about courting it is, courting serendipity or luck is doing a lot of the right activities in order to position yourself for that meeting or that person or that success.
0: So I'm going to spin on that because I'm not convinced that it's, um, that it's luck. I'm convinced that it's more what you were just talking about. It's allowing, it's attracting. And by you doing all the right things you and you can put the word luck on top of that, but I'm more convinced that by putting yourself in those positions, you allow that energy to flow your way. You allow Uh, those people to come your way. You're more
2: a law of attraction.
0: much more law of attraction kind of guy than somehow the, you know, I stumbled onto this. I am allowing this energy to seek me out and I'm putting it out there to make sure that I'm attracting it on a regular basis. We're very powerful beings. And if we use that power in a more constructive way, we have the ability to bring great things to us. Thumbs
1: up from me. How about you guys? Thumbs up from me. All the way. Thumbs Um, up. Next book is called uh, "Wait: The Art and Science of Delay. Uh, Frank Partnoy. Um, this I,
2: one I didn't read. Yeah, I don't know this right. one either. Okay, All right, we'll, we'll skip
1: that one. We'll skip that. Uh, the Leadership Challenge, no fair. Uh, Posner is double dipping on yeah, the list. Uh, we'll just give him a thumbs up because he's great.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and it's research-based, and it's what, a uh, fourth edition, fifth edition of it? Yep.
1: So. Um, Eleven Rules of Creating Value in the Social Era. Perfect book. Perfect book.
2: Have you read it, Brian?
1: I have read it. Where do you find the time to read, even, all, read all this stuff? We may have it here. Okay. Oh, no, that's Freakonomics. It's over there. I'm,
0: I'm impressed, man. Um.
1: Connections.
2: connections. Great book. Connections.
1: And really, co- not just connections, connecting. Yes. Connecting. Active. Active. And that is what is missing, I think, in a lot of the, uh, you know, people are amazed that at our ability to connect and get, you know, Facebook followers and Twitter followers and all that kind of stuff. And you know what it is? It's connecting. It's when I get a request on Facebook to, you know, friend me or whatever, I send a note back. Active note, not hey, just the standard. Hey, how you doing? Great to see you. Thanks for friending me. Yeah. By the way, here's our, you know, station fan uh, fan page, whatever I like it's called, you know. It's it's actively doing this stuff and connecting with these folks. And you know what? These folks, you know, they chat with me all the time. It sort of pops up on my phone. How you doing? Da-da-da-da. That was a great show last week. What do you think about this? I can't believe this guy did that. You know, it's all good stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, we need to get to our uh, featured story, which is going to be us uh, remembering a man with a great name, Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great, great monogram. Now, I have certainly never seen him, but um, from what I gathered in our pre-show conversation, you guys have have met this guy or have seen him before? I have not.
2: I've I've seen the videos, but I've never seen him live.
0: I've seen him live uh, uh, more than a few times. So, yes, I've never met him face-to-face, but been in the room where he's been in the room and a a motivating speaker, to say the least. And kind of segueing myself into what we were just talking about, Uh, Here's one of Zig's quotes, and he's got a gazillion of them. Uh, You were designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, and endowed with the seeds of greatness. Now, I mean, that is as powerful as it comes. Designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, and endowed with the seeds of greatness. How many people do you know walking through your life that feel that way about themselves? Not many. Not many. many.
1: Brian? I like this quote, timid salesmen have skinny kids. Yeah, that one's so good. (laughs) It's just brilliant. (laughs) We're looking at some of these quotes. You can find these quotes, by the way. Let's see. This one is on uh, Forbes, and the other one is um, on uh, HubSpot. Yes. Uh, Blog.HubSpot.com. Great stuff. We'll have your show notes uh, prepared for you for later. stuff. But I love some of these things. And, you know, it might just be fun to kind of zip through Some of these great quotes of his and 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 talk about them and if you guys have anything you want to talk about out there certainly we'd love to hear from you Hop in the chat so here's one
0: ask yourself a question is my attitude worth catching
1: is my attitude worth catching i don't know it that's a little too uh car salesman for me you think so yeah
0: oh boy i don't agree but i can you know if that's your spin on it but i don't even come close to agreeing
2: I have one touching on what we talked about earlier with goals. A goal properly set is halfway reached. Yeah, you had mentioned that before. Tell me about that one. I think that clarity around what you want to accomplish mm-hmm. gets you halfway there.
1: So before, before you can accomplish the goal, halfway is identifying the goal.
2: Identifying what okay. it looks like when you accomplish it. Knowing what the outcome looks like. That that how could you how could we rephrase that? How could we use a example for that?
1: Boom, 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 boom. Um I just want to go out and have fun tonight.
2: All right. The example so, is I need I'll pick a round number. I need a hundred thousand dollars in new revenue in the next three months. Okay. So Eat, that would be a goal, so you're halfway there. I'm halfway there because a hundred thousand well defined for the sake of discussion means that I need ten new clients in three months because each client is worth ten thousand dollars.
1: Oh, I see. So this is one of those um Yeah, okay. No, I, I get it. People, you know what it is? It's like painting. You know how yeah, you have mm-hmm. to prep the room for painting, you yeah. gotta set up the tape, you gotta prepare the wall, you gotta wash it down, you gotta let it dry, blah, blah, blah. And I have found true things, a properly prepared wall and taped and, and cleaned and everything like that. I'm already halfway done with this painting project.
2: I'll give you an analogy you can relate to.
1: Give me another analogy. This is analogy talk.
2: Stand on the green and look back to the tee, and you'll get great insights on how to play the golf hole. Uh, Okay. You really do? If you've never done it, stand on the green, look back towards the tee, and it will really help you think through how to play a golf hole. Okay. That one's just for Brian. I just swing hard. Yeah. But... Uh, remembering that
1: failure is an event not a person this is a terrific thing especially because i think one of the big problems with entrepreneurs is that their self-worth is tied up in whether or not this uh, a business succeeds or not and i think that is uh, that that makes people shut down they can't be creative when yeah. they when they have that fear so they need to be more courageous like
2: that other didn't Both you say him. earlier Walt Disney failed there was bankrupt like seven different times? Yeah, I mean
1: I don't remember the exact number, but yeah, he went bankrupt you know multiple times. More than four times. Wow. Which is quite something. Mm. Absolutely. And that's just it's literally- not only quite something it's quite something he still got people to invest with him like on try number seven. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you think the smoking of opium had anything Look, to do with that? I got this idea about this crazy little mouse with big ears. Come on. This <laughs> is a
1: winner. Who doesn't like that? Neat stuff. Tommy, pick another quote for us.
0: Okay. What you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals.
1: Mm, Or by trying to achieve your goals. See, I think the real learning and growth happens on the path, not standing on, you know, on victory row.
0: Well, I think in so many words, that's kind of what he's implying, that by what you become by achieving your goals. Yeah. It is that process that you're working through yeah. and the things that you become while you're working through it.
2: And the I, I, for all of our focus on growth and marketing and sales, I'm going to give you two quick sales ones that I yeah. love. For every sale you miss because you're too enthusiastic, you will miss a hundred because you're not enthusiastic enough.
1: See, that's important for me because I, I, that is definitely, I get very enthusiastic and that. I constantly say, I think I
2: oversold myself. Yeah, <laughs> back it off.
1: I do. I need to like, mm. it's and the power of
2: waiting. Well, marry it with stop selling, start helping.
1: Yeah, I and I think that's that's like number one. You know, I, I almost wonder though, when do you tell someone, you know, someone who is a salesperson, when do you tell them that? You almost have to tell them that so they get it after they've already screwed up a few times you know you think so i don't i almost want people to fail first on you know asking for the business too soon or too often or too aggressively and then try to say okay now that you have that skill of not being afraid to ask for the money now what i want you to do is 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 downshift a little bit and think about it as you're going to go after that business still but you're going to do it on the path of helping someone as opposed to just kind of like selling them on the features and benefits of this product or service.
0: Hmm. I don't buy it for a split second.
1: You you don't think so? (laughs)
0: No, I, I have to say, I think that if, 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 and how many salespeople have been weaned on, here's the approach it's all about helping this individual and if you do have that right product and right service that will help out then the opportunities will present itself I think most salespeople are weaned on okay you got to go for the clothes and here are the lines and this is what you're going to do as opposed to this is genuinely about you making a connection establishing a relationship and through that process learning that the opportunities will present itself now that sounds a little bit airy-fairy even as I say it but yeah. i firmly believe that if you if you cultivate and nourish or nurture, I should say, a salesperson in that way, though it might take a while for them to finally get all the tools. When they do get all the tools, they've got the right culture embedded in them to be able to close sales and, and establish relationships yeah. for the rest of their life as opposed to, you know, kind of samurai their way through from one technique
2: to the next. Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Tommy. The quote of stop selling, start helping, is more directed towards the leadership than it is the salesperson. Because Absolutely. The leadership sets the direction. And I don't. And I think one of the misnomers is that it takes time to learn this because I don't think that's true. I think we come out of childhood with that in mind. Good point. Kids. I mean sometimes get territorial when they're trying to learn what works and doesn't work, but genuinely kids love to help each other. Kids know how to share. It's all sandbox wisdom. That's a good point. I think if you just have leaders who aren't obsessed with numbers, who aren't obsessed with daily, weekly, monthly and quarterly goals, who aren't obsessed with how many call calls did you make this week? How many proposals did you put out there? but are more obsessed with who did you befriend, what do you know about them, do you have a relationship with them, how could you help them today? I always tell people, ask one question of yourself, how can I help you today? Always put today at the end of it because it creates a sense of urgency around it. So I think it's more a leadership issue than it is an individual issue.
1: Two quick ones. I think this is just a great life lesson. There's never been a statue erected in honor of a critic. Mm-hmm. You know, that's to me kind of like you know, don't be, don't always be a snarky. You know, if you're just kind of kidding around and all that kind of stuff, that's fun. But there are a lot of people that kind of go through life just they're just critical of everyone. Absolutely. And you know, they're the first to throw stones. into
0: Fox business.
1: But um, <laughs> what what I do love is is that this is a great mindset for me. Expect the best prepare for the worst and capitalize on what comes. I think the prepare for the worst is is probably my challenge because uh, that helps me keep my cool, you know, mm. keep my cool. Because if I keep my cool in a situation that's the worst, I keep opportunity open as opposed to, you know, just ruining it. And then capitalize on what comes. Hey, you know, Absolutely. make a buck for yourself. For crying out loud.
0: Well, yeah. No matter what comes down the pike, you've got to learn to be able to land on your feet. Yeah. So whether it's the worst or the best, and make the literally the most of each
2: and every situation. All right. We got a couple minutes left, so here's the poll. What's your number one heartfelt for you, Zig Ziglar quote that we have touched on, or even haven't touched on? Brian,
1: for you. Um. See, so you had to put heartfelt. Yeah. Because I really love timid salesmen have skinny have skinny kids. Oh, there's heartfelt. That's in there. heartfelt. That, I think that's hysterical.
0: I love well, that. Well, it's hysterical, but it's also... There's... No,
1: I would say expect the best, prepare for the worst, and capitalize on what comes. I can expect the best. I can capitalize on what comes. I need to remember not to get personally upset. I'm going uh, to
0: share with you uh, the first one that I read, because I believe that Zig had An unbelievable faith in humanity for him to come up with. You were designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, and endowed with the seeds of greatness. For him to genuinely believe that about mankind is a very, very powerful statement. And in part, I think, a a significant element of his legacy, at least for me.
2: Yeah. And mine, I just go to four simple words. Stop selling. Start helping. That, um, if we can get every salesperson in the world out there to do that, a lot more successful salespeople.
0: Zig Ziglar, thank you. No matter where you be right now, we appreciate it.
1: Amen, brother. And thank you all for joining us. We can't do the show without our sponsors, by the way, Gateway Financial Partners, the accounting firm of Budwitz & Meyerjack, Deepwater Seafood of Avon, and CentralCTDental.com. Very special thanks to our chat room moderator, Evan Richards. We're closing up shop for this week, but we'll be back next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern when we will once again be open for business.
2: Cheers.